of us Christians still hold to it? First and foremost, we see in the Bible that everyone is made in the image of God. And also, obviously, male and female are made differently and therefore reflect God in different ways. We are on this earth to represent God, to look like Him, and we can't do that on our own. If everyone was the same, we wouldn't reflect the wonderful diversity of God in His person. So what difference does this make on the topic of submission? Well, we believe that God is Trinity, that he is three but one, and in that Trinity there is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father is the head, and the Son serves and works for the Father, and then the Holy Spirit serves the Son and puts the spotlight on him. They're all equally God, but there is submission even within the Godhead. God the Son, when he came to earth as the man Jesus, chose to live an entire life of submission. He became a humble servant, even though he was equal with God. He chose to submit and obey the Father as his master, even unto death. God himself is a helper. For those of you who are wives, you actually have a fantastic opportunity to show Christ in your life when you choose to submit to your husbands. Yes, he is your equal, but give him the opportunity to lead you. Just because some people have more power than others, that doesn't mean inequality. Take me and the Queen, for example. We are equal in the sense that we are both human. In fact, I'm probably a better human in some areas, and she in others. I probably couldn't pull off a pearl necklace in the way that she can. But as we all know, she has a lot more power than I do in a public and global sense. And yet, because I don't have the public profile that she does, I get to have a different kind of power and potential and purpose. I get to have more open and deep relationships with people and invest into lives in a way she wouldn't get the opportunity to. She would also have no power and no profile profile if it weren't for all the people running around her. She can't go out and about without it being a big deal, whereas I can. In some sense, I have more freedom because I have less authority. Now, I realise that's far from a perfect example in regards to what we're talking about, but what I'm getting at is this. Husband and wife are equal. They just have different kinds of power, and one has a higher authority than the other. Uh, A passage that I've found helpful in coming to grips with the concept of submission and accepting it as a good thing from God uh, is found in Ephesians, and we're going to turn there now. So if you have your Bible handy, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 31. Ephesians 5, 21 to 31. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. A couple of things I want to say from this passage. Firstly, as a church, we are called to submit to Jesus our Lord, and we are submit to each other out of devotion to Jesus. And this applies to everyone. Like I said, submission is something we all have to learn to do. Now, in the marriage relationship, the ideal is that if the man is submitting to Christ and acting like Christ, then the wife should have no problem with submitting to her husband because it's just another way to live with Jesus as Lord in her life. So in other words, if you can submit to someone who is submitting to Christ, you are in a good spot. As we submit to each other, we are further committing ourselves to Jesus our Lord. Take your pastors or your elders, for example. In some sense, they have more sway in this church than most. And yet, as much as they are in a position of power, they are servants to this church. They are submitting to Jesus and to you as they take up a mantle of authority. Secondly, the church is described as the bride of Christ, and it is called to submit to him. Colossians chapter 3, 18 says, Submit not for no reason but because it's fitting in the Lord. Remember this, Jesus loved his bride so much that he gave away everything he had, even his own life for her sake, so that she might live, so that you might live. And now he lives, constantly seeking the good of his church, making us holy, washing us clean, making us blameless before God. He is gently and compassionately and patiently bringing us to perfection. I can't really see anyone having a problem with submitting to this kind of authority. If we could experience that kind of love, there would be no problem with uh, giving ourselves over to it. Now, all of this is lovely and completely true, but as we all know, husbands aren't perfect, and men, by and large, don't always do a great job of submitting to Jesus, nor do they naturally act like him. As much as people talk about how much of a difficult idea, as much as people talk about how much of a difficult idea it is for the wife to submit to the husband, increasingly in our culture, men have more and more of a problem with taking up a position of authority, especially in regards to being head of the house. A huge part of the reason that submission for the wife is such an unpopular topic is because men just haven't done a very good job of being truly authoritative in some cases. I'm going to lay out two extremes of how men don't do authority properly. The first is the kind of man that doesn't take any stand in his lifestyle. He has a lazy nature. He doesn't communicate at all. Whenever confrontation arises, he shuts down and closes off. If he sees a problem, he doesn't bring it up. He takes no responsibility for the emotional and spiritual well-being of his family, even if, perhaps, he provides for the physical needs of his family. His marriage is tepid to cold, there is no honesty or openness, husband and wife don't really know each other, there needs to be communication and his wife has resorted to desperate nagging to make it happen. And then there's the other end of the scale, the man who is domineering, who shuts down his wife, laughs at and mocks her at every opportunity, who treats her as if her intelligence pales in comparison to his. He makes her feel as though she lacks worth and that her work is easy. Perhaps he is, even at times, physically threatening or imposing to her, even if he doesn't realise it. She feels afraid of him. 
He abuses the authority and power that he has. His wife either lives completely defeated or brings her own fire to the fight and makes a bad situation all the more volatile. Now, perhaps you don't fall into either of those categories in any extreme fashion. Perhaps you do. But I reckon we all have a tendency to lean in one of those directions. Neither of the described men actually know what authority is. Paul shows us in that letter to the Ephesians that real authority reflects Jesus. It's humble, it's loving, it's self-giving, self-sacrificial. It's a power that is exercised for those that fall under it. The man who is truly authoritative looks for the good of those under him as if he were taking care of his own body. He who becomes a servant is the best kind of leader. So to sum it all up, marriage is a depiction of God's great love story. Perhaps a good way to measure your marriage, for those of you who are in one, uh, you could ask, what does my marriage say about Christ and the church? I'll say it again, what does my marriage say about Christ and the church? Well, let's carry on. We're going to continue looking at the family in verses uh, 20 and 21 of our passage in Colossians. 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Uh, Let me make a few really quick points about this stuff. Jesus was perfectly obedient to his Father, and the Bible tells us that to love God is to obey him. If you want to learn how to be like Jesus, if you want to learn how to worship God in your life, then start by obeying your folks. Secondly, what if your parents are in the wrong? Perhaps they've been disrespectful or patronizing towards you. Maybe they've been overly angry with you. As it happens, they're not perfect. Obey them anyway, as best as you can. If you are showing them that you respect them and submit to their leadership, then you are actually modeling to them good character and you've stopped a bad situation from getting worse. It is okay to challenge your parents if you think that they are in the wrong, but if they think otherwise, submit to their rule. You will get nowhere if all you do is keep the fire burning. And thirdly, what if your parents aren't Christian? Well, this ties in with the last point that I made. Remember that your aim in obeying obeying your parents is to please God, your heavenly parents. But let me add that Jesus is your highest authority and if your parents are asking you to do something that compromises your faith, then remember that he is your Lord and obedience to him comes first. But again, I'll say, open up a conversation rather than reacting with the first thing that comes to your mind. Help your parents live in authority over you. It's a much happier way of life. And if they're not Christians, then you could open up opportunities to share the gospel. So those were for the kids, now for the parents out there. Your children shouldn't think it's impossible to please you. Be quick to celebrate them. And secondly, don't just say, don't do this or that, and allow rules and fear of breaking those rules be the teacher in your home. Rather, teach them how to live and think and rationalize. Let grace be the teacher of obedience, because that is what God does. If a child doesn't think it's of any value, it would sink into obedient self-dislike or overreact with boastful arrogance and anxiety. 
Family is such an important part of God's plans for us. Remember the grace he has shown you by adopting you into his mercy. Uh, The last topic that I want to touch on with you this morning uh, is that of work. And again, to look at this properly, we need to go back to creation and see why it is that we are made. We are made in the image of God, and God is a God who works and rules over all things, and he has made us to reflect that in his creation. Work is a good thing. And not only are we made to work, we are destined to work. In heaven, we will be working there, but the curse will be undone, subtracted, taken away, and there will be no more frustration or pain in the work of our hands. In this area, I think the passage points out two significant ingredients of what it means to be a good and godly worker. Integrity and reverence for God. So integrity, which is something that I personally struggle with and perhaps we all do, essentially means being one person all of the time. I think if we learn to do this, we can reflect God in a very powerful way because he is the same wonderful, perfect, good loving and holy person every day, every moment. In regards to being a worker, this means that we will have the same conduct, conduct both when we are being watched and when we are not. <clears throat> I've heard someone say once that a man's character is measured by what he would do if he could get away with it. How do you act when you're not being watched? In your workplace, at least. If we live and work with integrity, we have a great platform platform from which we can show the gospel. Uh, this ties in with that other part, reverence for God. In the same way as the child with their parents, we are called to obey and respect the wishes of our bosses because we are not working to please them, but our higher master, who is God, who sees all and knows your heart better than you do, and he sees, you where, he sees where your time and energy and thought are going. Now, he's not some kind of obsessive control freak wanting you to have no enjoyment. He's given you free will, power to choose, but he is worthy of all praise. He is worthy to be worshipped in every square inch of our lives. My question to myself and to you this morning is this. Can I, can we, can you, in all good conscience, lift up your work and conduct as an offering of worship and praise to Christ, your greatest and highest master? Again, similar to marriage, you can measure this with the question, what does my work say about God, about his work, about his creation? How am I going in terms of reflecting my designer? Finally, in all things... Look to Christ because he models the perfect expression of humanity. Remember that his love and lordship are our blueprint for both authority and submission. Take comfort in the fact that the most satisfactory body of work God has ever received from a human was the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is through that work that we are saved, free, loved and clean and we are taught how to truly live. Please pray with me now. Father, we praise you for who you are. In knowing you, we learn about ourselves. We confess that we have 
rejected you and continue to sin against you. But you have given us hope. You are making right all that is wrong. We here are married, single, in a relationship, widowed, divorced, and we all want to thank you for the gift of marriage, even though it's not something we all have or want. We thank you because it is of your wise design. It is for the good of creation and it enacts the greater eternal narrative that we are all a part of. I pray for all the families here. May they be gardens and not battlefields. Help us in our various works and occupations. Teach us to be like you, to delight in our work, to seek for the good of others. Teach us to be human in this world that you have made us. Thank you for Jesus that he who has all authority made himself nothing for our sakes. Grant to us that we would be like him. Make us humble like you. Amen.